Gazette Newspapers presents the Parting Shots Podcast. Now, here's your host, Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Thank you, Scott Geezy, and welcome to the Parting Shots Podcast. Available wherever you get your podcast. Subscribe today. Thanks for joining me from the Parting Shots Podcast Studio in Schenectady, New York. We have another great show for you. The Buffalo Bill fans are still in mourning on this uh, Wednesday, uh, three days after their uh, team lost in the AFC Divisional game, an overtime classic to the Kansas City Chiefs. And one of the biggest Buffalo sports fans that I know, Christine Lisi of ESPN Radio, will join me to talk about how depressed the Buffalo Bills fans are after watching them lose 42-36 in overtime to the Kansas City Chiefs. And Lou Monaco of EmpireStakes.com and NewYorkBets.com will talk to me about the explosion of the sportsbook gambling industry here in New York State and in the country. My first guest coaches the hottest team in uh, the Capital Region. The Siena women's basketball team, after starting out 0-10, has won five straight, and they're riding high in MAC basketball play. He's back as the head coach of the Siena Saints. is Jim Jaber. Jim, uh, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, just an just incredible turnaround, Jim. What what has been the key to this? When you're 0 you oh 10, you're, you're probably thinking, what what's it's going to be a long season? When all of a sudden now you guys are riding high. Well, I think it's a lot of hard work, uh, a lot of buy-in. Um, you know, the kids really, really believe in what we're doing, and and uh, I think it's just a learning curve. Um, they've always worked really hard, and and now they're, you know, it's starting to pay off a little bit. Was there any you know, concern during the skid that you know, this wasn't going to work? I mean, were the players feeling down about themselves? No, I, I mean, you know, you, you look for signs of that every day. And whenever we needed an attitude adjustment, you know, we gave it and, and they responded. And, and uh, so, um, and, you know, at the end of the day, you're either going to swim or you're going to drown. And so you didn't have much choice. And, and uh, so we've been swimming lately and, and um, you know, they've been great. I mean, their attitudes, they're really bought in. They're really happy um, to, to, to be a part of this. And, and we're just trying to get better every day. Yeah. The streak started with the uh, 56-51 win at Iona. Then you went to Maris. Maris, you know, is usually in a powerhouse in the MAC and uh, for years, and you got went down there and won by sixteen, a uh, sixty-nine fifty-three. I mean, how big was that game and getting the confidence? I mean, did the team see it? Seems at that point, like, well, we we can we can win some games here. Well, I mean, uh, you know, even like it was a couple of weeks before the Iona game where I thought we were practicing really well and that I saw a lot of improvements. So the Iona win um, didn't surprise me. Uh, and, it pleased me, but I wasn't surprised. Um, and, and, you know, I know, I, you know, Maris is down a little bit right now, but, um, you know, it's still a significant win and, and, and the spread was nice and more so the way we played the last couple of quarters, um, really, really, um, got after them and, 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 um, were able to execute offensively. So our defense has always, while it's improved lately, it, it's always been our strong point, but now the offense is starting to come together and we're starting to get scores, you know, in the, in the, in the high sixties, seventies, um, and eighties. So, um, hopefully that'll continue as we keep going on. Yeah. I mean, the, the rider game you won down there, uh, in Jersey, eighty-two forty-four. I mean, I, I saw that score. And I was very impressed by that. And then, you know, on Saturday you played, you hosted Fairfield at the time, undefeated in MAC play, and you win by thirteen points. What what was the feeling like after that game, uh, knowing you knocked off the uh, t- top team in the MAC? Well, I think that was the game that really kind of made our team kind of sit up a little bit and say, okay, I mean, maybe we got something going on here. Um, so I think, I think it was really good for our kids to, to participate in that kind of a game against that kind of team and have those kind of results. Yeah. Talk about some of your players, man. Who's been really the key to this uh, turnaround? There's been a lot of kids. Um, you know, Selena Filoxi comes to mind right away. Um, you know, Selena is a kid uh, who's really talented and has kind of become, disciplined in in her her skill set now i mean she's not 
overdoing stuff. She's kind of trimmed down her game. And, and, and now she's like, you know, she had double doubles the last three, two or three games. Um, and she's been a really important kid. She passes the ball very, very well. Um, you know, Ray Brown has always been uh, the kid that's consistently been a scorer. She's got a toughness that we can't do without that we need. And, and she brings that, um, you know, um, Margot uh, Peterson is really been shooting the ball well. Her her stats have gone from in the first ten game like shooting thirty percent uh, from the three point line to forty five percent, and from scoring six points to eleven points, and and uh, so that's opened things up. Um, Anya Knoflak is another kid that um, is shooting the ball really really well, giving us another outside threat, and, and so now and and then we have this little water bug um amani harris a freshman from new york um she might weigh 110 and she's about 5'3 and and she's just starting to understand the game and what she can do to change the game and she's becoming a really good decision maker and i mean no one can stop her it's just a matter of her not stopping herself um but um, so there's there's lots of people contributing. I could go on. There are other people. You know, uh, Dee Dee Winston is is a kid who's not super flashy, but she she starts at the point for us and gives us a lot of stability and 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 uh, and that's been really important to us. So we have a lot of challenges ahead. Um, there's a lot of really good teams that we have to face yet, um, and I'm not ready to you know throw any parties or anything, but. I really like where we're going and the direction we're going. Yeah, you mentioned Selena. I mean, I, I've seen a couple of the box scores that have come in at, in under the paper, and she's uh, averaging nearly eight rebounds a game. And it, it seems like you guys are starting to eat out rebound uh, the other teams. I mean, how important is it to to do that? And again, uh, before these five games, we were getting out rebounded, and 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 you saw the results. So if you can create more possessions for your team, it just makes sense. You have a greater chance to win. Um, and, and that's what, you know, we've been able to do um, is is get more possessions. And, and not just on the offensive boards, but defensively, you know, it's the same thing. So And you limit your opponent's possessions, which is also an important part of all of this. Also, the shooting, how much has that, that improved over the last uh, few games? Well, you know, we, we run a lot of space and pace and reads and so they had to learn how to do all of that because they didn't know how and and, uh, and that's why our offense was so sluggish and our percentage was so low and um, and, and I mean we would it was an ugly thing if they didn't pay me I, I wouldn't have come to the games um, but uh, but now because now they're starting to make good reads, they're starting to space the floor. Now we're getting easier shots, which is translating to higher percentage and more points, and and that's what's really kind of been fun to watch that kind of growth. And you're gaining confidence, and now you're standing wise. You're in second place uh, at five and two, uh, you know, behind Fairfield eight and one. I mean, realistically, now do you feel you guys are a shot at the, the regular season title? I mean, are we, or is it too soon to talk about that? Well, it's going to sound stupid, but I didn't even know we were in second place until you just told me. Um, I, I don't, I don't research, care. Research, um, it's research. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I just, I, I'm really. I mean, I'm really. I mean, I know it sounds so cliche, but I'm really just focused on on Niagara and then Canisius, and I don't even know who we play after those two. Um, and, and I think at the end of the year, then you can, you know, lift your head up and see where you are, and either celebrate or say, okay, we got to fix this. Um, but. Um, I, all I know is I'm really proud of where we were going and, and how far we've come, and, and I know we still have a lot of growth and, and still got a lot of things to get better at. You have, you have Monmouth after the Canisius game. I'll just let you know I got it up on the web right here. But <laughs> All right, thank you. <laughs> yeah. but to talk about Appreciate this, you. You're welcome. Uh, talk about this trip the, up to the Buffalo. I mean, it's always been considered a dreaded trip because you're up there. You have to, long. It's a long trip, especially in the middle of the winter, and and then you got you're basically up there playing you know, Niagara Canisius. I mean, how important is it to come away with maybe a split or even sweeping this? Well, I mean, you know, if you win both, now you're seven and zero. And and when has that ever happened recently? So that's a bonus. Um, and and I don't want to look at it like, oh my God, we got to get on a bus for five hours and go up to this place. I mean, you know, we're going to go visit the fall, fall, the falls and. Um, 
and we'll get some chicken wings because that's what you do in Buffalo, and and uh, and we'll make it a good day, and and um, you know we'll make it a good trip, and and that's how I want to look at it, and and I think the kids pretty motivated to see if we can continue to do what we're doing, and I just want to keep them locked in, and uh, and, and that's the only thing I really care about. I mean, I think that's all they care about, and and you know, like today in practice, we it was a really long practice, and toward the end they started to kind of lose their focus a little bit. And I just had to say one thing and, and, and they were back locked in. And so I think they understand what's at stake. And, and I think they understand that, that they can make history here. Um, and, you know, and I, and I told them if it means, you know, winning a trophy and winning a championship and going to the NCAA tournament, if that's what we can do at the very top of things, then that's great. And if it, if it means we've just improved our record and it's another step toward where we want to go, that's okay too. But, you know, you only get one, you know, one chance at it. When So, you know, we're going to Niagara, you get this one chance to get it right. So just don't blow that one chance. And, and that's what we're working on. Of course, uh, they're very depressed up there in the western New York corner there with the, the Bills, the they lost on Sunday in the AFC Divisional game. So you maybe make their... Uh... Uh, attitude uh, a lot more foul if you sweep uh, Niagara and the Canisius this weekend. Well, you know, I didn't even know about that. I got a two-year-old at home, so I, I, I just found out yesterday that the Bills lost. Oh, so, geez. <laughs> yeah. Uh, how are you enjoying your second stint at uh, Siena? I, I couldn't be happier. I love it. Um, I'm a relationship person, and and um, and the people here are amazing people, and they really care about each other, and I, I couldn't be more lucky, more blessed uh, to be the coach here. And, and uh, you know, it's it's an amazing place. We're really, really happy. Well, Jim, I appreciate a few minutes. Uh, good luck uh, this uh, Thursday and Saturday up in the Buffalo area. And, uh, yeah, maybe come back off a seven-game winning streak. Well, from your lips to God's ears, let's hope that happens. But thank you so much. I appreciate your time. I appreciate it, Jim. Thanks a lot. That's Jim Jim Jaber of the Siena Women's Basketball. Coming up, we're going to talk with Christine Lisi of ESPN Radio, a big Buffalo sports fan, and she's not happy about what happened with the Bills. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. All of us love sports. But not all sports are created equal. College sports have big budgets, dedicated alumni networks, and corporate sponsorships. Professional sports have even deeper pockets. Millionaire owners, lucrative TV and radio deals, and merchandise sales. High school sports have you. Everyone agrees high school sports give us plenty of reasons to cheer. And now's a great time for us to give back. Supporting your hometown high school won't cost you much, but it will go a long way to ensuring the games we love the most are here to stay. New York High School Sports. They're good for our kids, good for our community, and best of all, they're good for you. This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, Buffalo this is Daily Gazette sports writer Mike McAdams. You're listening to the Party Shot Podcast with Daily Gazette sports editor Ken Chiefs. And one of the biggest Buffalo sports fans that I know out there is uh, Christine Lisi, ESPN Radio sports anchor. Uh, Christine, appreciate a few minutes here on this uh, Monday. And uh, how are you feeling right now? I actually still feel pretty gutted, Ken. <laughs> not a great day. Yeah. It's uh, not easy to be at work when I'm looking at uh, a loop of all the plays from that game. And I mean, I know it was a great game. It was a lot of people are saying it was one of the it was the greatest NFL weekend we've ever had. And that was, you know, capped off by like one of the best, most incredible games you'll ever see. But the ending wasn't wasn't great for me. Well, as a Philadelphia sports fan who's been had a lot of misery through the years, I, I sympathize with you. But what was it like for you watching that game? Uh, you know, one minute the Bills are winning, next minute the Chiefs are winning, next minute the Bills are winning, and then the Chiefs come back to tie. I mean, the, the, the range of emotions had to be crazy. The last two minutes were nuts. Like, I couldn't believe, you know, everything that was happening and, like, uh, I was thinking, you know, I was thinking that one, that fourth and, thir- fourth and 13 and the, t- the touchdown to Gabe Davis. And it was just, it was amazing to see 
you know, him have a game of his life. Josh had another, you know, game of his life again. And it was just, it was incredible to watch, like, two of the best quarterbacks in the game, you know, just go back and forth. Like, nobody blinked. I mean, uh, Bill Powers said, I don't know if it was before, it was at halftime or, you know, before overtime, he said, whoever has the ball last wins. And, like, he was right. Like, I, I thought that, too, throughout the whole game because, you know, we were just kind of matching each other all night. And just when you thought Kansas City might be able to, like, kind of punch Buffalo in the nose and they wouldn't recover, Josh throws that, I think it was the 75-yard touchdown. It was just incredible to watch that game. Yeah, I mean, I was uh, working Sunday night in the office in a rare, rare night, and I just I just had to stop what I was doing to watch it. I was just so fascinating. It was it's just an incredible – it capped an incredible weekend of games in the, in the divisional round. But there, I think there's a lot of uh, Bills fans are going to question some strategies. Mainly start with the uh, the kickoff after the touchdown with 13 seconds left. Uh, why didn't uh, Sean McDermott uh, tell his kicker to uh, you know, squib it or you know don't kick it into the end zone? Because I mean, you, you, that way you force the, rec- uh, the Chiefs to recover and uh, take some time off the clock. Yeah, I don't. Uh, that, that's a hard one for me. I don't. I don't know. Uh, kind of. I don't quite understand the call. Like I wish Bass would have if he was going to kick it. Like don't. Yeah, like you say, don't kick it into the end zone. Try to pin him back as deep as you can. The squib kick always worries me because you got all your hands guys on there. If you're out there, if you're the if you're the Chiefs and you worry, you give uh, Pat an even shorter, you know, a shorter field to work with. That like that was a little concerning to me too. Or he was just saying, "Hey D, I trust you." Although both defenses had to be gassed. Like I couldn't. Right, like nobody's catching their breath, and and guys are getting open and going, and there's so much speed on the field. So, you know, that that's a hard one for me. I, I I've had a conversation with some of my friends from college about this, and you know, some of them are mad about the the decisions that McDermott made. And I was like, you know what, I'm just going with he did the best at that moment. You know, Leslie Frazier did the best at that moment, and it didn't work out for us. If it, if it would have worked out for the Bills, we'd all be saying, yeah, this is the greatest thing ever. Or if you know somehow. You know, to to lose essentially on a coin toss stinks, right? right? Like that's that's I think that's one of the tough things. I know the Chiefs got um, that happened to them a couple of years ago against the Patriots in the AFC Championship game. You know, Holmes they never got to see the field, so I just think that you know I'm, I'm probably wrong, and people won't agree with me. So I think that at the at the time they did the best they could, and if the result was different, people would not maybe have questioned that. Yeah, I just I I don't quite understand what they did defensively that led to the game time field goal by the Chiefs. I mean, it seems like they weren't in, I don't think it was a prevent defense and it just didn't seem right. that, uh, uh, you know, Mahomes is going to throw at me. Why don't you basically drop uh, more defensive backs back? That way you have, you know, the receivers covered. I know. I, I'm not sure like the, the thought process there, if they were trying to, you know, mix stuff up or guys, I, I'm, you know, I don't, I'm not really sure. I, you know, I, I know on the on the other side, like on one of the the Gabe Davis touchdowns, one of them, two of the Chiefs defenders collided, mm-hmm. and then on another one, I don't know if it was the fourth one, the uh, one of the defenders fell down. Yeah, so yeah, exactly. I don't, you don't know if it was like I'm not, you know, again, I, I don't really, you know, know what happened. It was frustrating to watch for sure. Now, obviously, the big topic on Twitter last night and into Monday as we're here taping this. Uh, you mentioned it, the coin flip. Uh, a lot of people will think that's wrong. Mm-hmm. What? I'll play devil's advocate here. Um, Bill's got to stop him with defense. Uh, what do you say to that? Right, and, and I can appreciate that. And you would, you know, we'd also say that about the, you know, the, the Chiefs too. If, if the Bills got the ball first, but like, I don't know. It, it, I'm just trying to think of a way to say this, like. I, I just think, you know, giving each team a, a one-shot, like, okay, Kansas City scored, then Buffalo gets a chance, and if Buffalo doesn't score, Kansas City wins the game, and then you just kind of you kind of keep going. Like, that's that's just my thought. I don't know about playing a whole 15 minutes. I think that would be brutal, you know, in another quarter, or if you do 10 minutes or 5 minutes or whatever you do. I'm not really, you know, quite sure the, the answer to that, but I do think to make it more fair, I, I think both sides need to at least touch the ball once. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, yeah, we went from years ago when you, overtime, you all you had to do was kick a field goal and if yes. you got possession. Of course, of course, that changed years ago. You have to score the touchdown for the game to end. Uh, so maybe the NFL will look at this uh, rule, uh, maybe change it. I, <coughs> excuse me. But, of course, 
do you, you um that you know obviously do you play a time time uh for the, for the first two possessions if you give each team a possession then do you then do you start a clock i mean i, I and also said do you you don't really want them to play 15 minutes they obviously right. they reduce the overtime in the, the regular season to 10 minutes so uh, it, I think the NFL does have a lot of questions to answer, and yeah, I'm surprised they didn't answer those a few years ago, as you mentioned, when uh, Tom Brady and the Patriots won in uh, overtime against the Chiefs uh, a few years ago. But uh, I mean, how do the Bills recover from this? I mean, this team is start, start, slowly taking over the AFC East, but do the how do how do they overcome this? I think you you just put it in your rearview mirror. I mean, Jim Kelly, they lost a heartbreaker in 1991 to the Giants in Super Bowl 25 and they came back. They I know they didn't win any, but they they kept go, they went to the Super Bowl four straight times. I think you just have you put it in your rearview mirror that Texans um wild card game loss a couple of years ago. I think it was 3 years ago. Um that was a tough one. Uh you know, last year was tough losing at Kansas City. I mean, last night was tough. I mean, you just have to, Josh, I know Josh stayed on the field last night, which is what Steph did the year before, last year, and just watched that celebration so you you don't want to ever feel like that again and you use that as your motivation. I mean, I'm, I'm, I think they'll be okay. I, re- I really do. I don't think that, I, I love the coach. I love the quarterback. I, you know, I love the team. I'd hate to lose coordinators, but at the same time, you want what's best for people, whether it's Coach Dayball or Coach Frazier. Um, I, I, I think they'll be okay. I, I'm always optimistic, you know, Ken. I always, that's the great thing about sports. Like, after the Patriots game this year and after the Bucks game, those two losses, the first Patriots game, people were burying the Bills. And they, you know, they came back and they, you know, they, beat the Patriots badly, and they came within a possession of beating the, the Chiefs and going on to the conference championship game again. So I'm that's that's just me. I, I That's what I love about sports. I'm like, you know what? Why not? Why not the Bills next year? Yeah, I, I love the Bills fans. They're, they're, they are so dedicated uh, and uh-huh. uh, just the passion that they have me. I, I, I compare them to the Eagles fans, how passionate they are. And uh, I, I imagine that the heartbreak that they're feeling right now, but – I mean, this team, this team is coming because I mean, I, I, they have a great quarterback in Josh Allen. He's getting better mm-hmm. and better. I, I think this team is destined for greatness and, and and finally winning a Super Bowl. I think so too. I don't. I don't see why. I know the AFC is is loaded with great young quarterbacks. I don't see why you know the Bills can't win one. I know. I know Brady had Peyton's number for a long time. Peyton finally broke through and got his win with the Colts. He got another one with the Broncos down the road. I don't see why the Bills can't win one or two. Josh is only twenty five. Patrick's twenty six. I mean, they're setting up a great rivalry, and they're two great guys, by the way, too. Yeah. You know, like that's that's the it's it's. A great thing to see. I, I was surprised at um, the amount of points scored last night. I don't know if you were. I think the I don't know if it was the over under was like I don't know it was like fifty four points. And I was like, they think that that's you know <laughs> that's what they're just going to score like twenty six points. I was I found that kind of funny, but I didn't ex- I didn't expect you know almost eighty points to be scored. Uh, especially what twenty five in the last two minutes. I've never seen that before. Yes, it's just uh, like I said, it was an amazing weekend of uh, playoff action. Well, at least the one thing you can smile about from Saturday, at least, is your Sabres beating my Flyers. Two bad <laughs> hockey teams going on there. At the, what's 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 happening with the Sabres there, Christine? I mean, uh, Christine, uh, it's just um, yeah, the Jack Eichel whole situation was just a mm-hmm. mess, and uh, uh, it just seems like they're you know, skating in quicksand right now. I actually think that um, I like Buffalo's young core. I really do. I know the Eichel thing was a debacle, and I don't know everything that went on, but it seemed like he had wanted out for a while. Um, and I, I like the the young guys that, that Buff, the Sabers are going to have coming up. You know, Owen Power and and kids like that, and the kids they have now. Um, I like Alex Talk. I uh, Krebs had a nice game the other day. Uh, a goaltender would be good. Yeah. <laughs> Having a, as you know, as a Flyers fan, I'm not. I'm not telling you anything new. No. Um, I, I just, and I, I think Renato's a good guy for that situation. He seems very patient. He's. I think they're learning. Um, I, you know, I don't know. I, I, I don't think they. It could. It could get any worse. Yeah. Um, you know, I. I, I again for them. I hope brighter days. Maybe in a couple of years. I you know it would be nice not to have to wait that long. But maybe in a couple of years, you know, with this core and you know and and Granado's got them. I think moving in the right direction. I will say this. I think for the most part, um, I can't say this in past years under other coaches. They do 
seem to compete every night mm-hmm. hard. Um, and I don't think you could say that under some of the other coaches that Buffalo had. Um, that's the one thing, you know, I'm not going to say every game's going to be close or every game has been close, but I do, I do like the effort that I see. Yeah, one last question for you, Chris, uh, Christine, um, uh, Brick Jennerette's retiring after the season. Uh, what are your thoughts about yeah. him and what are your memories? I'm going to miss him. Um, he's been the only radio play by play guy they've had. Uh, he's been their TV guy for a very long time. Um, I'm going to miss him. He had some like of the greatest calls, like um, the the May Day call against Boston mm-hmm. in the playoffs in the early 90s. Uh, the Dave Hannon goal, they're going back to where Jimmy Hoffa is or something <laughs> like that. Like he just had these, the LaFontaine, um, you know, uh, I'm just trying to think like some of the epic playoff calls that, you know, he, he had one, uh, you know, bring on the Flyers after the Sabres, like, beat the, the Senators, I think it was in 97, we played the Flyers yeah. the next round. It was just like, he was just so unique, like um, like Mike Lang with the Penguins was. Yeah. Like, just such a unique, um, his phrases, everybody loved him, and it, it'll be sad, but I will say Dan Dunleavy, who's, you know, he fills in for Rick, and he'll do a nice job, too. Yeah, I think Rick also called the Fog Game in 75 years <laughs> Flyers. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So, I, I, I do remember, I see some highlights of that once in a while on TV. Mm-hmm. Uh, that was just a crazy night, because back then the audit wasn't air-conditioned. And, no. You know. No, that was a unique building. You know, it was like... Uh, the the dimensions were a lot different than most of the other mm-hmm. other buildings. It was a very unique place to see a game. Back when rinks had class and uh, uniqueness, and they don't have those yes. anymore, like Boston Garden, the Montreal Forum, the Spectrum, yes. where I, I yeah. lived uh, for my winners uh, being a season ticket holder when I was a kid back in the day when we were winning Stanley Cups. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Well, Christine, I appreciate a few minutes. And also, you can promote your – you still do some uh, YouTube videos with your cooking. I I do. I haven't done any in a while. I have a blog that I kind of do. I do more of. Um, it's uh, cookiesbychristine.com if you want to follow me. And then YouTube, if you do a search for uh, Christine Lisi, um, you will find like some of my baking videos. I don't know if I have like 20 or so on there. Um, I do that. I do need to get back to more of the baking videos. But uh, as you know, it's hard to find time for stuff, yeah, right? Right. I mean, I enjoy when you put, post pictures of uh, what you bake. I was like, <laughs> my mouth's watering. It's like, oh, I want some. <laughs> Thank you. I need to be better at the picture taking. I know I do. I do need to be better at that. All right, Christy, appreciate a few minutes talking uh, Buffalo Bills and Buffalo sports. And uh, better days are definitely ahead for your Bills, no doubt about that. I hope so, my friend. Thank you. Up next, Lou Monaco of EmpireStakes.com and NewYorkBets.com talks to me about the explosion of gambling sportsbooks here in New York State and around the country. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast. The pro football season is here, and it's time to play the Daily Gazette You Pick'em Football Contest. Predict the winners of the weekly games via your You Pick'em online account. The fan with the most correct points each week gets his or her name in the Daily Gazette on Thursday and wins a $100 ShopRite grocery card. The fan with the most overall points after 23 weeks wins a $1,000 travel voucher and could win a trip to Hawaii. For official rules, go to dailygazette.com slash football. The You Pick'em Football Contest is run by the Daily Gazette Advertising Department and not associated with the Daily Gazette Sports Department. Hi, this is Brent Samuels, White House reporter for The Hill and a former Daily Gazette staff writer. You're listening to the Parting Shots Podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor, Ken Schott. Welcome back to the podcast, and uh, if you're uh, watching TV and sports recently, and maybe follow your Twitter feed, your sports uh, books have uh, become all the rage around the, the country, and especially here in New York State, just recently opening up. And to talk about that, he's a man who writes uh, for EmpireStakes.com and NewYorkBets.com, Lou Monaco. Lou, I appreciate you coming on the podcast to talk some gambling here. Uh, thank you so much, Ken, for having me. I really appreciate it. Yeah, just talk about the impact this has had. I mean, yeah, you know, we we've seen ads prior to that. We just, you know, New York State just opened up the sports books. How how crazy has it been? And it seems like it has been very popular. Uh, it's actually out of this world. <laughs> uh, 
we had nine mobile sports providers were approved and um, back in November. So about two days prior on January 6th, they said, all right, you guys are all four of the providers are going to launch on January 8th, which was the last weekend of the NFL regular season. Now the goal was for a lot of these books to actually open and launch at least in time by the Super Bowl. But uh, Senator Joe Adubato, um out of New York and also Gary Pretlow on the assembly side really wanted this to be prior to the playoffs. And they actually got their wish. They got it a week early. So four of the books launched on January 8th. This past Monday, BetMGM was the fifth. And actually uh, today, Tuesday, um, PointsBet launched. So now you have six mobile sports books that are live and running in New York with three more to go. And they had numbers. The New York, New York, New York, I'm sorry, New York State Gaming Commission had released numbers for the first time for the first two weeks, basically the first nine days of sports betting since January 8th. And those numbers basically exceed anything else that has happened in any other state in nine days. Um, so New York in the first nine days from January 8th to the 16th uh, handled over $603 million. And that's only on four mobile sports Jeez, books. Wow. <laughs> that can help, help the economy, the, man. <laughs> the growth. I mean, now, now we're not even usually we get monthly revenue reports, right? Mm -hmm. And we report on monthly revenue reports. New York is so big that they decided, and it caught us off guard last Friday. They said, "Okay, we're going to now release it. We're going to release weekly revenue. So now we can get a weekly, an official weekly." Um, breakdown of how much money they handled and how much revenue was brought in by each of the books. Now, again, those are only four of the books from January 8th to the 16th that were up and running. So you still had five, and now we have two since then that have launched with three left. So the gaming revenue just from the January 8th to the 16th was over $48.2 million, and the amount of taxes paid to the state was $24.5 million. Wow. Now, that's only in nine days. <laughs> so you can imagine what the month is going to be when you have full NFL playoffs. This past weekend was absolutely insane with the four games. They were all good games. Mm -hmm. You have all live betting regarding these games. And the live betting that must have happened between the back and forth of lead changes and things of that nature must have been just astronomical. And hopefully we'll get an updated uh, weekly report, I think, on Friday. Uh, from the gaming commission, we'll see what happens with that as far as the amount of money that moved. So uh, now we have two games on Sunday with the AFC and NFC championships, and then two weeks from now you're going to have the Super Bowl. So football has just been an absolute um, uh, just juggernaut what? in any state that it launches in as far as these sports bet betting books. But it's just been a juggernaut. It's just a tremendous sport to handle money, generate money, make money, lose money. It's just a tremendous uh, sport to, to bet on and wager. Yeah, so what, what's the impact have been in general around the country here in New York State? Obviously, you mentioned the, the, the figures that New York State had. I mean, in a way, does this help? And I, I was joking about the economy, but in a way, if they're, they're getting, states getting a really cut of this, I mean, how much does it help the state's economy? Well, again, as far as New York is concerned, now, we this is not even a month. I mean, it'll be a month, February 8th, right? Mm -hmm. So... You're going to have a lot of different things in regards to uh, uh, generating money for gambling addiction programs, education. It could be other pro. It could be a vast um, a juggernaut of programs that this can all can help. But those are only two of the things that come off off the top of my head that it could help, and that has been already reported that it will help. Um, these other things, and what this this is only the start of it. Like I said, you have three more sports books to launch. Adabo is trying to get actually horse racing involved where the mobile sports books can actually provide, if they choose to do so, can actually provide horse racing on their app. So, for instance, you don't have to bet. You can bet through NYRA bets in New York, obviously. You can bet uh, in New Jersey. It's four NJ bets that we have here in New Jersey. But in New York, what he's trying to do is try to get the books more involved to generate even more money. And he said, what better way to 
to tie in than the old standby of horse racing and harness racing with Yonkers Raceway and Belmont and Saratoga and Aqueduct and all these other tracks that that can hopefully the sports betting uh, platforms can provide horse racing in the future. And that's currently a bill that he has in the legislature uh, and that it's also in the executive bu- budget that Governor Hochul had introduced a couple of weeks ago during her uh, 20, uh, 2022-2023 budget that she announced as well. So this is only the start of things that are, that is going to come as far as the foundation for sports betting in New York and then hopefully the expansion of other things. Now, the other thing that we I also didn't or that also came up is that she also gave approval as far as legislation to try to get uh, the casinos involved. And she's trying, she's trying to get at least three, there's three downstate um, uh, casino licenses that can be launched or can be uh, bidded upon. So for instance, I believe you have um, the one at Yonkers Raceway. I forget the name of the book or offhand, but you can have something like that where they can, instead of building a brand new casino, they can use the existing casinos that are basically, they're not full-fledged casinos, but they have some kind of gaming in them where they can say, okay, and you guys can have a sports book, you guys can do sports betting, you guys can have table games, all this other stuff. You can, that'll be launched within a few, a few months from that being approved rather than they basically want to use the physical casinos that are already downstate hopefully and hopefully they'll just basically incorporate some stuff into there already which make it a quicker thing rather than building a brand new sports book and um you know that takes time obviously to do that so there's that's the expansion of the gaming that's occurring right now in the state and it's just everything everything is very fluid everything's like there's breaking news all the time or constantly on top of it and it's just a very it's a very active market right now. Yeah. I mean, sports leagues, you know, for years shied away from gambling because, you know, because they didn't want seeing the games to be fixed. But all of a sudden now, all these sports leagues are partners of uh, all, all these sports books. I mean, what what has the impact been with that as, as far as the sports leagues uh, basically you know, saying it's okay to gamble? Well, the amazing thing is, is that one of the leagues, the NFL, was so vehemently against this for so many years. And then when uh, Governor uh, Christie had introduced or at least pushed sports betting in New Jersey. Now, you remember, Delaware had some parlay games that you could play, but Vegas was the main go-to as far as sports betting is concerned. So New Jersey has always wanted sports betting. Governor Christie was a big proponent of that. And then when the Supreme Court had decided, hey, this can be for everybody. It just doesn't have to be in Vegas. Then that's when that's when the whole dam broke and everything just everything just flowed. So basically what the sports said after putting so much money in saying we don't want sports betting. This is terrible for us and whatever else. He said, "Okay, we can't do anything about this now. We might as well be a follower or a friend to it or a partner in it because guess what? It's also going to make them money. It's going to make the books money and the company's money. It's it's a big show. So basically, all the people that were against it now love it. Yeah, <laughs> because it's another, and especially during this time with COVID and the problems we have in the economy and everything else." It's like it's like a, it's like a no-brainer revenue generator, basically. Um, and so, why not have it rather than not have it? Yeah, I mean, so it's like if you can't beat them, join them uh, aspect of it. Exactly. Yeah, it's, uh, Absolutely. Yeah. The commercials. I mean, we have been inundated with commercials. I mean, JB Smooth with Caesars and uh, uh, Jesse Cofield and uh, Jamie Fox. Uh, it's just, I mean, how is it too much or not enough? I, mean, I told you about this, especially the, the, the Twitter feed. Every every other tweet you see is a commercial for the uh, sports books. Uh, um, well, let me put it this way. You know, four of the books that launched, you had um, Caesars, DraftKings, Bet Rivers and FanDuel in New York. Those were the original four, the core four, mm-hmm. have you. Caesars in the first two weeks outdid DraftKings and FanDuel. They generated over $230 million like during that during that two-week time frame. So they were tops out of the four, which is pretty remarkable considering DraftKings' expertise in the market. Caesars has also been a big player, but it's, it's obviously, they're, they're a brand new sports uh, a mobile sports betting company, whereas DraftKings and FanDuel 
have been in the game a little bit, especially with New Jersey, right? Because right. FanDuel, in New Jersey, FanDuel has the biggest sports book in New Jersey at the Meadowlands Racetrack. So those commercials are doing something for Caesars <laughs> because a lot of people have signed up. Uh, a lot of people have signed up on all these different places, but Caesars was number one. So that was very interesting, considering the fact that you see a Caesars commercial literally every three minutes yeah. on any New York local channel or whatever else. But the, the commercials, look, I understand that you're a business. I understand that you want to promote what you, the product that you have and the service that you have, and you're trying to generate new accounts, and you want people to stay on board, right? Mm-hmm. So they're going to offer you so many different things, and it's, it's an active market literally daily, every day. You can bet on something literally every day at any time of the day. So I understand where the companies are coming from. And also, you have to remember, the TV stations are making a lot of money. Yep. The radio stations are making a lot of money. The website or different news websites and so on are making a lot of money. So there's a piece to be taken. And like I said, the dam has been open. So you might as well be a part of it rather than not be a part of it. Right. Right. We're all. Like, I, don't think any, I don't think any radio or TV station is going to deny, hey, we don't want another DraftKings commercial. They're just not going to do it. Yeah. Because yeah. DraftKings is going to pay these people. Now, it's going to hurt, I think, some of the companies that are actually doing this because there's so much promotion on it. And it becomes so inundated to the consumer that people are just turned off. And it, like like you had said, there's so many commercials out there that you're like, oh, forget it. I, can I go to another TV? And you change the channel and there's another commercial. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like it never ends. I actually want to do a story where I just sit there on a local New York channel and just sit there and see how many times a sports betting commercial comes up on that one channel, whether it be an hour, two hours, or so on. I want to do a story on that in the future. I just have to have to find a time for that. Well, it'll, but, it'll be interesting in Super Bowl Sunday. I mean, how, how many of those uh, companies oh. will be on the uh, Super Bowl telecast on NBC? Well, now, the, the thing with the Super Bowl is that, you know, after Sunday's games, you're going to have a week off, right? Right. So you're talking two. There are going to be so many offers that are out there. Where if you bet a dollar and you're a brand new customer, you can, we're going to give you five hundred dollars in site credit. Now, when they say this, when they say, "Oh, we're going to give you money," it's basically site credit. They're not giving you cash because you put down a dollar in cash mm-hmm. in your account. They're going to give you site credit to play off of. And what that company is trying to do is they're trying to get you to stay. They're trying to get you to be active in your account. They're trying to make you. Uh, bet maybe a little bit more because technically it's free money. So for Super Bowl, which is the most, it's the the highest betting event in the country every year. You're going to have two weeks of preparation to get all these offers in to uh, to see what you want to. If you're uh, a better to see what you want to do, what offers you want to take up, and so on. So if you think you're inundated now, wait until the the week off yeah. prior to the Super Bowl. That'll be something. Between that and Valentine's Day, it's going to be, it'll be interesting as far as those commercials. My final question for you, Lou, is, I mean, is there a ceiling on these sports books? I mean, I, I go back to the, the early 2000s when the dot-coms were going nuts and then everything, a lot of those dot-coms uh, didn't survive. I mean, it, it, can these sports books continue to thrive? That's a very interesting question, and I'm going to say yes, because every year you're going to have the Super Bowl. Every year you're going to have March Madness. Um, you know, you're going to have a lull where baseball is king in New York with the Yankees and the Mets, but not a lot of people bet baseball, right? Mm-hmm. So in the summer you're going to have baseball, you might, you're going to have golf, you'll have tennis, you'll probably have some NASCAR, which is, if you can imagine, those three individual sports are very heavily bet on, not as much as football, but there's definitely some interest there. So that's going to be the lull. Your lull period is going to be between, um, say, after March, say, let's say after the Masters, right? Right. So that'll be the first week in April until the start of football season. So those are the months which is technically your lull, although they're still going to be generating money. You're just not going to see as high handle and revenue as you would if it's a regular pro football season. Do you think the, US, now the, do you think the USFL have an impact? Because they'll, be, they'll be playing in the spring. Well, that's I was just going to bring that up. You have the USL that, USFL that's coming up in April. There's going to be definitely some interest in there because people love football. They can get football every day for 365 days a year. They're going to take it. And if they can bet on it, they're going to bet on it. Now, the, the leagues that previously happened, if you remember, there were a couple of leagues that debuted and now they're non-existent. 
there was some action on those as far as the summer months were concerned. So that could be a little bit of a player. And the USFL technically is a name is a name that people recognize, especially if you're a little bit older, mm-hmm. like my age and so on. You're going to recognize USFL and you're going to recognize the team names and so on. And you'll probably have to wait a couple of weeks just to get a little bit of, you know, a little bit of lather to see what the players are, the games are, and, and things of that nature. So that could be an interesting play too. I mean, that could that could definitely help some of the books. But look, sports is going to be here forever. We all know that. Sports betting is going to be here forever. We all know that. I think, I mean, the tax rate in New York is absolutely insanity with 51% as far as the tax rate is concerned. New York and New Hampshire. New Hampshire also has a 51%. And actually Hawaii, which is trying to get sports betting now, they say they're trying to get 55% tax rate. Mm. Uh, in the state of Hawaii, which that's even more insane than New York. But um, it, it's going to be very interesting. But I think that the, the sports books are definitely going to be here. They're here to stay. Um, hopefully some of the promotion will go down a little bit once the excitement of it um, uh, is, is passed. That's actually happened in New Jersey, although we still get a lot of the New York commercials, obviously, because we share the metropolitan market as yep. far as TV and radio commercials. And you can see it die down a little bit in New Jersey. Um, but New York is such a new thing for everybody. And New Yorkers who love to bet, they used to come to New Jersey all the time. They don't have to do that anymore. So it's still an exciting thing to be a part of and, um, to, you know, to, to bet on and to create new accounts and all this other stuff. So I, I think the lull is just going to be regarding the seasons. So like I said, during that, the week after or the, Right after the Masters is done, then you're going to have the start of baseball that week, and then you're going to have that low period like May, June, and so on, where baseball is basically your 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 big sport. You're going to have the NBA playoffs. You'll have the NHL playoffs for a certain amount of time, but baseball is going to be your number one sport here in New York. And like I said, a lot of people don't a lot of people don't really bet on it like they do as far as the NFL or college football or college basketball. So that, that'll be interesting to see the numbers there during the summer. But as with anything, right, well, we get to now that the, the dead part of winter, but there's always something ahead. You have the spring coming, right? right. So there's always, so with a sports better, you're like, all right, in a month or so, I'll see what I can get. And I'll, you know, we're going to wait until uh, NFL exhibition season <laughs> when that starts in August where you can bet on. So it, it's going to be very fascinating to see the numbers come in, not only on a week by week basis, but on a monthly basis in New York and around the country to see how others compare. Well, Lou, where can people find you on social media and, and your websites? Uh, my Twitter account is at Lou, L O U, Monaco, M O N A C O, just like the principality. Uh, and we have New York, um, New York bets.com empire stakes, just as if it was a horse race, S T A K E S.com. I also write for pennstakes.com, sometimes gambling.com. We have a whole assortment of state sites and national sites that we write for. And it's, uh, definitely check us out as far as the news is concerned, because we'll try to keep you up to date as far as, uh, anything that's going on in any state across the country. Well, Lou, I appreciate a few minutes. This is a fascinating uh, phenomenon that we're seeing right now at the sports books. I appreciate it and keep up the good work. Thank you so much. I appreciate you having me on. All right, that's Lou Monaco. We're back to wrap up the podcast and have the winners from the NFL Divisional Round in the You Pick em Football Contest in just a moment. It's been a trying year for parents. They've been confronted with countless challenges and have always risen to the occasion. If it isn't too much to ask, the 370,000 high school student athletes in New York have one last request. Please set an example. Disorderly fan conduct at high school athletic events is on the rise. It increasingly involves parents. There's no question that parents are passionate. There's no question they care about their children. But at a time when we're all wound a little more tightly than usual, it's worth remembering this about New York high school sports. Always be a good example. Stop unruly fan behavior before it starts. 
This message presented by the New York State Public High School Athletic Association and the New York State Athletic Administrators Association. Hi, this is Siena men's basketball coach Carmen Massarello. You're listening to the Parting Shots podcast with Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Shaw. Back to wrap up the podcast. The NFL Divisional Round winner in the Daily Gazette's You Pick'em Football Contest is Kerry Hazeltine of Glens Falls. Kerry wins a $100 ShopRite gift card. Congratulations, Kerry. The NFL Divisional Round VIP winner is Tom Picatuno of BL's Tavern. I'll be announcing the weekly winner of the You Pick'em Contest, and that winner's name will appear in Thursday's Daily Gazette. If you would like to play in the contest, go to dailygazette.com and click the You Pick'em logo. It's almost time for NFL Conference Championship Sunday. I'll post my picks on Twitter sometime Saturday. I was 1-3 last weekend, and I am 6-4 in the playoffs. Keep checking out DailyGazette.com and the print edition for the latest updates in news and sports on the coronavirus pandemic. I want to thank all the doctors, nurses, and first responders who are dealing with this pandemic. We appreciate the job you are doing in this difficult time. If you have not gotten vaccinated, please do so. Do it for yourself, do it for your family, and do it for your friends. That wraps up another edition of the Parting Shots podcast. I would like to thank Jim Jaber, Christine Lisi, and Lou Monaco for coming on the show. I'll have another podcast Friday focusing on college hockey. I'll preview the Capital Region Mayor's Cup games between Union and RPI that will take place Saturday at MVP Arena. The women's game starts at 11 a.m. and the men drop the puck at 2 p.m. If you have questions or comments about the podcast, email them to me at shot, that's S-C-H-O-T-T, at dailygazette.com. And you can follow me on Twitter at Slapshots. The views expressed on the Parting Shots podcast are not necessarily those of Gazette newspapers. The Parting Shots podcast is a production of Gazette Newspapers. I am Daily Gazette Associate Sports Editor Ken Schott. Thanks for listening, and I'll catch you next time. From the Parting Shots podcast studio in Schenectady, New York, good day, good sports, and I'll leave you with yet another tribute. Singer Meatloaf died last week at the age of 74. Here is a snippet of my all-time favorite song of his, You Took the Words Right Out of My Mouth. <laughs>